Good morning, Mimosas, and thank you for selecting the Good Morning Mimosas podcast. It is meant to be your weekly spark of joy. It consists of one part bubbles, a dash of refreshing conversation, and of course, add a little bit of spice. It's a weekly inspiration every Wednesday morning. The podcast will explore different topics on growth, development, connections, and stories that will hopefully inspire you. Feel free, grab your cup of coffee or a mimosa and join us on Wednesdays. Thanks for joining us now to the podcast episode. Good morning and welcome to the Good Morning Mimosas podcast. I am your host, Cheryl Bear. I'm excited to kick off the moving series with the first episode in this series, which is packing with fire, uh, excited to get into the details and how that connects with our episode today. But first I'd like to introduce our special guest for today. Jess, Jess is a CPA, a military spouse, Peloton enthusiast, true crime junkie who loves food, adventure, and travel. Good morning, Jess. Uh, I know you have some amazing inspirational quotes. You actually have two for us this week. What do you have for us? Good morning, Cheryl. So yes, I am super indecisive. So I had to go with two. The first one really goes in line with the whole packing with fire, prepare for the worst and hope for the best. This is definitely a moving and packing motto and possibly a very good life motto. Um, And then the other one is a bit more moving focus. And it's if we were meant to stay in one place, we would have roots instead of feet. I love both of these quotes and I'm excited for all of our mimosas to hear, you know, your story and everything that we're going to unfold today. So they can really appreciate those quotes as they take them with them throughout this week. So let's go ahead and jump in and discuss your background a little bit. Absolutely. So I was born and raised on Long Island in New York, where I lived for about 27 years. From there, I moved to Alexandria, Virginia for about 10 months. We'll call that one the self move. Then we spent about two and a half years in Carlsbad, California, the infamous fire move. And now we live in St. Robert, Missouri, which I want to call the smooth move. And if you've had that tea, maybe you can chuckle along with me on that one. And I'm very much looking forward to where we will go next. We actually just found out. I don't even know if I told you yet. (laughs) So Danny was selected for Naval Postgraduate School, and that is in Monterey, California. That is so awesome. And to get back to the California where there's some ocean and sunshine. Missouri isn't a bad place, but there's certainly apart from the Ozarks, the water's a bit missing um, and there's certainly no ocean. Gosh, congratulations. Yes, we are very excited. I am a beach. We both grew up on the beach, so it's exciting. But yes, so I am a Hofstra University alumni. I am a CPA working for a firm that's actually in Alexandria, Virginia. Um, I've worked remotely with them since 2017. We provide um, specialized services for governmental agencies and programs, as well as commercial clients. And some of my hobbies um, include food, so (laughs) mostly eating it and finding new restaurants. However, as you well know, here in St. Robert, 
the restaurants are slim pickings. So we do a lot more cooking these days living out here. Mimosas, I can personally vouch from a Marine Corps ball house party we did because we couldn't do a real ball. The food is, Danny does a mean job. It was fantastic. We were all talking. We're like, wait, how do we go back to the normal ball rubber chickens after the amazing spread that he made is just fantastic. So she's not lying. Danny does a great job. Yes, it works out very well for me. My other main hobby is travel, as we kind of said in the intro. So I love exploring, seeing new and beautiful places, learning about and submerging myself in new and different cultures. And so my goal is at minimum to visit every state and continent at least once. So far, I have visited 33 states and three continents. Um, And then one of my last main hobbies is scuba diving. So I got scuba certified in Okinawa, Japan, where I did my first set of dives. And then after that, I was completely hooked. I did four main dives during the day. I did a night dive and I still literally dream about (laughs) those underwater visions. Um, I haven't done nearly as much diving in my life as I'd like to, but it's one of my absolute favorite things to do. I am so excited. Mimosas may or may not know this, but you know, my husband and I are getting ready to embark on our journey to Okinawa as we're recording this. But I think when we produce this live, we will already be there. So check out (laughs) the uh, Brave Bear blog to see how we're, how we're holding up in terms of moving and kind of how we get into those stories. I'd like to set it up. And if you don't mind Telling us the backstory of you and Danny and kind of how the military lifestyle came into your life. So Danny and I met in the summer of 2010. Um, We were actually at a wedding in Jamaica, destination wedding. He was there for the bride and I was there for the groom. And this was a few weeks, unbeknownst to me, before he was heading off for his second of two six-week training sessions in Quantico, Virginia, as part of the Officer Candidate School, OCS, summer training program. So prior to meeting Danny, I basically knew, I want to say almost nothing about the military. It's, It's almost embarrassing looking back how little... I knew at best I maybe knew of like the army, but I didn't know that there was like multiple branches or what they did or whatever. I didn't know anything. (laughs) Danny and I had a few dates prior to him heading out for his second summer session. And then while he was in that six week program, we kept in touch via handwritten letters, which was wild with a celebratory phone call the morning of his graduation once he got phone privileges back. Once Danny got back from OCS, things started to get a bit more serious between he and I. And then he was commissioned about a year later in May 2011. And then in March 2012, he left for the basic school, TVS, in Quantico, Virginia, which began our long distance relationship. So in the meantime, while he was over in Quantico, I was in college. I was finishing my master's degree in accounting. I finished that in May, 2012. Danny finished TBS in September, 2012. And he went from Quantico to good old St. Robert, Missouri, (laughs) where we are now. Um, And then in that 
time period, I sort of transitioned and began my first full-time job um, at a public accounting firm on Long Island. He graduated from the military police school over here at Fort Leonard Wood in April 2013. And then he headed off to Okinawa, Japan about a month later, which began our much longer distance relationship. Hey, mimosas. Want a physical spark of joy or know a mimosa who would love to have some mimosa swag? Check out the mimosa market at thebravebear.com slash mimosa market. We have partnered with American manufacturing companies to bring our in-house designs to life. Each purchase from the Mimosa Market is helping us grow the Good Morning Mimosa podcast so we can keep sharing sparks of joy. Thank you for shopping at the Mimosa Market. Cheers, Mimosas. He left America with two-year orders to Okinawa, and three years later, (laughs) he returned stateside. Um, His orders were extended a year due to Danny being offered an opportunity to advance his career and obviously taking it with my support, of course. And then in September 2015, about nine months before Danny was due to move again to leave Okinawa, he proposed and then we were married in December 2015 and moved in together for the first time in Alexandria, Virginia in June 2016. I love, you know, hearing the background and story because I know so many mimosas, a lot of our military mimosas are like, oh my gosh, thinking back to like, yep, the separations, yes, the long distance making it work when you talked about, you know, the the handwritten letters. It was pre-Marine Corps days, but when Ryan was in college, he studied in South Africa for a while and the internet was very expensive. And, you know, co- when you're in college, everyone's poor. So we did the handwritten letter thing, you know, for our civilian mimosas who are listening and you're thinking, oh my gosh, that's so much long distance. It's a real thing. There's tons of people out here doing it. And if you know a military couple, they've all done it one way, shape or form. Um, some of us longer than others, but it, it's possible if it's the right person. Um, and you really learn the value of you know, supporting each other, which kind of segues into our next thing. So I know uh, you moved in together at Alexandria in June of 2016. Uh, If you don't mind explaining kind of your background of moves that often come with the military. (laughs) Absolutely. So like I mentioned earlier, I've been a part of three military moves so far, the self move, the fire move and the smooth move. Um, When we moved to Virginia, Danny was coming from Okinawa, so the military moved all of his things there. I am not aware that he had any issues with this move. As far as I know, that was fine. And I moved myself from New York to Virginia. I don't honestly know if the option was available to me to get services, but... I don't think it was at that point because I think they basically provide you one move and it was Danny. So I packed up my Nissan Rogue to the brim with everything that I could fit. I headed to Virginia to pick Danny up at the airport. I still literally don't know how he was able to fit his luggage in my car. We unloaded and lived on an air mattress while we shopped around for furniture. So it was our first time living together. So we didn't have any, you know, bed or kitchen table or desk, etc. We scheduled the delivery for furniture and then we headed back to New York for Danny to visit with his family and unbeknownst to me to fill up my rogue one more time 
after Danny gave me a firm counseling that my mother's house was not my personal storage unit. (laughs) So packing was a lot harder than I expected. And my rogue was actually a lot smaller than it seemed. So I was like, yeah, I'll just throw all these things in a box and like two boxes in my trunk. That should be everything, right? And those wardrobe boxes fill up very quickly. So yeah, it took some time. I luckily had the help of friends, but yeah, two trips to say the least. I remember those moves. Our first move from Virginia to North Carolina, we did a a ditty move where you you know, move yourself and God bless the friends that rally with you and always help you move because it is, (laughs) it is a heftier undertaking, no matter how mentally, physically, and emotionally prepared you may be. There's something about it. The boxes, the clothes, things just multiply at like within 24 hours of you getting ready to move. So that's the first move. I will say um, one of the reasons why I really wanted to record this episode with Jess was, you know, we were doing a, a driveway bonfire and she told us about this fire move. And I was sitting there listening one dumbfounded, slightly odd, but then she explained kind of in depth, everything that she went through. And I learned a lot from it, which is why I was like, you know what? That is an episode that civilians and military alike, maybe military more because you can get in the weeds of our system, but it's just something to be aware of and, and people can really learn from. So without further ado, I'll segue to the uh, fire move. So after Virginia, we were off to sunny California and I was literally on cloud nine. I harassed Danny about trying to get this station. My friends lived in California. I love the beach. I love the warm. I was so excited. Danny and I had never taken a honeymoon. So we planned to take leave in conjunction with our move and take the honeymoon right after arriving in California. And so I wanted to ship our stuff early so that I could, air quotes, guarantee I would have it all when we got to California so that I could pack for our honeymoon accordingly. The more I socialized this amongst our friends about my really good plan of of sending things early, the more I heard loud and clear, plan for the worst. The messaging from most people was that I should not expect to receive our things timely and that the arrival date would likely move often and further out each time. So after hearing this so many times, I finally decided to make a backup plan. So we were still going to send our things a month ahead of schedule and hope for the best. But in what I thought was a plan for the worst scenario, I also sent a small bag of my main honeymoon outfits that I had planned out with a friend who just so happened to be moving to California about a month ahead of us in her own vehicle. So I was like, okay, I'm covered. You know, worst case, I've got these stitch fix outfits that someone picked out for my honeymoon for me. We lived in an almost empty apartment on an air mattress for about a month during which Danny was somehow conveniently out of town for work for about half of that. The movers came to pack up our things on 
April 2nd, 2017, give or take, there were three movers and it took approximately 12 hours for them to pack up a two-bedroom, two-bathroom apartment. And so since this was my first time with movers, I just thought that was reasonable. But I actually later learned that's like a really long time to pack up a small two-bedroom apartment, especially it's just the two of us. There was we don't have kids. We don't have pets. It was our first place. Like there really wasn't much there. So note that, note that for later. They also did not walk me through or have me sign anything at the end. Again, I'd not moved with the military before and Danny wasn't there. He was traveling for work. I didn't know that that was an oddity. They packed us up on the second. On Monday, the 17th, We were notified that the truck with our household goods, along with five other families' household goods, had caught fire in Arizona the Friday prior on April 14th. Funny little background on that, I had gotten a voicemail from the moving company and I was at work and I just like forwarded the voicemail to Danny in a text like, hey, can you call them? I'm busy. And then he calls me and I'm like, hey, what's up? And he's like, are you sitting down? I'm like, yeah, I'm swamped at work. Like, what's up? And he's like, so the moving company called and apparently the truck caught on fire, you know, and he starts going into this story. And I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, this kid is a thousand percent like pranking me. I'm on the radio right now. Like, this is so cool. I always hear these on the radio. So I'm keeping it so cool. Like, I'm like, I am not going to be that girl who freaks out. (laughs) So I'm like, oh my God, no way. Can't believe that. And he's like, yeah, like he's freaking out and I'm remaining super calm. And then he's like, are you messing? Like, are you pranking me? I'm like, no, are you pranking me? He's like, no. I'm like, honestly, are you pranking me? He's like, I swear to God, I'm not pranking you. I'm like, are you serious? (laughs) Starts flipping out. He's like, I am not messing with you. Like, I swear. So... We both come to the realization that this is really happening, to which I promptly was like, I gotta go and found a very private place in my office to ball crying for like two minutes and then be like, okay, we're gonna deal with this now. So yeah, about two days after we were notified, we were notified that the claim service would try and have a representative to sort through the shipment by the 24th and that ServPro would be on site to complete preliminary inspections, would provide a report for each shipment uh, regarding the condition of the items and any items that could be restored to pre-shipping condition would be mitigated, which a little sneak peek that actually never happened so there became this trend of like we're gonna do this and serve pro is gonna remediate it and all these things and then it was like oh yeah well we thought that but that's not really actually what happened with serve pro there was just too much stuff on the truck and blah 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 but that was kind of the back story of us finding out and and all of that fast forward we get to california now We stayed in a hotel for a couple of nights, which the moving company reimbursed. And so right when we got to California, like the next day, we went to the furniture store and started shopping for all new furniture um, because we were told that even if like the mattress or the couch had survived in structure, let's say, that they would likely be damaged beyond repair by the smoke in the truck. Um, So they were like, it's not really safe or healthy for you guys to use those items. So we went to the furniture store. 
um, we were able to pick out and buy a new bed, um, nightstands, a kitchen table set, a couch, um, entertainment center, and desk. So we got all of those things um, bought and delivery sorted out. And so by May 31st, the moving company reimbursed the full cost of all that new furniture, the hotel stays, and a small amount for meals while we were without our kitchenware. We did not actually receive our shipment until July 24th. So the fire was in April, did not get our things. We didn't really even have a good grasp of what state our things would be in until July 24th. So in the meantime, aside from furniture, we obviously had to purchase kitchenware, clothing, and other household items to just do life, basically. <laughs> um, and all of those costs in were out of pocket um, on the front end for us. The shipment comes in when it finally arrived in California over three months later. Uh, we went to the shipping location and we had to sort through every single item, making notes on the packing list of the level of damage for each box and item to include photographs for any items that we wished to claim. So this part here, I've got to ask, how long, like, were you given, hey, you have to show up at this time to sort through all of this? Was there a set timeline? How long did it take? Was it just in a random warehouse? Like, I need the details because I'm like on edge over here. So I think it was early July. They reached out to us and started probing like, hey, the truck's going to start making its way to California in a week or two. What dates work for you? When can you be available? So we, they, they gave us options of facilities that their trucks, I guess, had contracts with. And so we went to this, basically just a big parking lot. And so we had, you know, a week or two's notice. We were able to pick a date, schedule it out. We met them at this, it was just a little building and then a huge parking lot for trucks. The truck parked there and then they unloaded all of our crates into that parking lot. And we were there for like probably eight to 10 hours going through stuff, photographing it, making notes and documenting and hopefully what would support our claim. From a military spouse perspective here, and I'm imagining the answer is no, because I feel like this is just another thing that we just have to take on the chin here. But, you know, for military spouses that are actually fortunate enough to be able to have a job or a career type job that they can have with them. I mean, that was that a business day? Did you have to take a day off of work? Was that part of the reimbursement or no? So I had to take a day off of work. Yes. Um, luckily for me, I worked from home remotely at this point. So that saved me a ton on having to buy like work clothes. But yeah, I had to take a day off of work. It was a business day. Danny had to take a day off. I wasn't reimbursed financially. You know, I had a paid day off, but I certainly wasn't planning to use it for that. Yeah. And that's, that's one thing. And um, the reason why I brought that up, and this is more for our civilian mimosas who are listening, especially in the military, you know, you kind of heard earlier about, you know, how much long distance, you know, that Jess and Danny have been through, but a lot of times in the military, our most expensive currency that we can hold on to is our time. A lot of people are fortunate. They have where they go to work eight hours a day, they come home, they get to see each other, 
there's generally this consistency of time you'll be able to spend and share together where with the military, you rarely ever know it's never like a set time. They're coming home every night. Things pop up. You know, there's a lot of workups. There's a lot of deployments. There's a lot of exercises. There's a lot of trainings. There's just a lot of military things that pop up. And so time is so precious. And depending on, you know, where you work, you know, especially if you're an hourly employee or a salary employee, it doesn't matter. You know, if you only get 14 days of PTO and you, have to pick and choose and you have to essentially burn through one of them for something that isn't your fault. That to me is like, I mean, apart from just yourself being lit on fire, which is heart wrenching, (laughs) but then like talk about salt in the wounds, like here and take a day off and, you know, work on your PTO day off work 10 hours. And then it's not part of your, your reimbursement um, thing, but that's, that's good for people to just be aware of, you know, it happens. Okay. So you've taken photos. You're in a parking lot. You've sifted through your stuff. I imagine next step is paperwork. Can you talk to us about that? Hey, Mimosas, consider supporting the podcast by becoming a Mimosa member through our Patreon at patreon.com slash Mimosas. Every Mimosa member will get ad-free episodes. You no longer have to hear ads like this. In addition, depending on the level that works best for you, you can get 10% off of all Mimosa merch in the Mimosa market all day, every day. Bonus content, sneak peeks at upcoming episodes and events coming down the pipeline, episode resources, and so much more. Thank you for considering supporting the podcast through a Mimosa membership. Cheers. Oh man, the paperwork. So the moving company was great. They always provided helpful, timely information, quick responses to our emails. They asked that we provide receipts for things that they reimbursed us for, like super realistic expectations, very functional business relationship with them. The military claims office, which I will call the MCO, on the other hand, was an absolute nightmare. And in kind of refreshing my memory to talk with you today, I was getting re-annoyed and like wanting to find these people on social media and be like, how do you have a job? You have terrible people skills. (laughs) Oh my gosh. We, so the moving company had a maximum liability. Um, I believe it was around 3,500, give or take. And that was based on a very precise calculation of like $1 times 0.4% of your maximum shipping weight. And so they, they gave it to us. It it seemed reasonable. Um, we, we reached that maximum liability with the moving company after they reimbursed us for the hotels, the furniture, all the things we talked about. So everything else had to be claimed through the military. Um, Dealing with the military claims was actually, in my opinion, worse than losing a lifetime of cherished items in the fire. It was so much more difficult to swallow. After we went through the shipment, we provided the initial household goods descriptive itinerary list, which is one of the forms that gets completed um, as part of the move. 
and kind of how I alluded to before the mover should have kind of talked me through that form and had me sign that form, which they did not. So we did that. We had highlighted, it basically gives a breakout by container. It might say towels or it might say bedroom or women's closet. So we went through each of those and from a high level tried to highlight if we could broadly at the box level, like one color for damaged and claiming another color for already reimbursed by the moving company, and then a different color for things we weren't claiming so that it was like at least high level, easy to break down. In addition to that, we were also required to complete a form DD1842. And the worst of all, a form DD1844, which I as I mentioned, I'm an accountant, so I'm an Excel freak. So I converted that form to Excel. It just made it a little bit easier for me to complete considering on this form, you itemize each thing that was lost. So I just functioned better in Excel world. The final version of this document in Excel was 303 line items that were claimed. And some lines were for multiple quantities, some up to like 150, which like I think that line was like hangers, but 150 hangers, you know, like they weren't free. So in addition to that, that was just, you know, the verbal or, you know, the written claim of each item. So we had to have photographs to support those. So in addition to that, we had a PowerPoint of 306 slides detailing each line item claimed. And then it basically each slide would like map it to the inventory list. So which box was it in? It would include a photo of the item from the shipment showing the damage, description of the damage. Was it, did it just smell bad? Was it burnt? Was it like melted plastic? And then a receipt or a screenshot of the cost of a comparable item online if you didn't have the original receipt. So 306 times we had to, to do that look it up, figure it out. When, when did I get this? Is it in my Amazon history? It was chaos. So hearing about this Excel spreadsheet and I'm sitting here and I'm like, oh my gosh, thinking if we had to do this, well, one, cause from a selfish perspective here, you know, when we get to a new duty station, we spend minimal us time getting me settled, but then Ryan's like hitting the ground running with whatever company unit platoon, whatever uh, battalion he signs into. So I imagine in our world, all of this would fall on me. So selfishly, I have got to ask how much time did it take to go through? And cause I'm thinking about the stuff that I've bought and there's no way I've kept receipts for every purchase I ever made. So I would be the gal who has to look up a similar item and get a receipt or, you know, look up what, you know, the price equivalency and then get that and, and do the formatting and everything. So, I mean, how much time did that take you in addition to your full-time job as well? Yeah. So I was working at least 80 hour weeks because I was working, you know, 40 to 50 hours a week on my normal, my real job. And then I was working like nights and weekends on this claim support. So we got the shipment, like I said, at the end of July, 
I did not have this support finalized until early October. And I am not joking you that I probably worked on it 90% of the days between those two dates. It took forever. And while Danny was very supportive, and did a lot of the administrative emailing things that I didn't feel like doing or didn't really want enjoy doing. I most definitely had the lead. And I mean, here, you know, the position here isn't that demanding of Danny's time, but where we were in California was super demanding. He was working pre-deployment. He was going on ship for training and I couldn't even get a hold of him. So it was, it was brutal. It was a lot of time. At the end of it all, our claim total, all 303 lines of Excel was about $68,000. And I did have a fair amount of Amazon receipts because I am an Amazon junkie. But yeah, like I was looking up everything online and, and, you know, you can't find the shirt you got seven years ago at the store anymore. So I'm like, okay, can I, I'm just like, okay, maybe I can find the exact one on some buyer page on Google and like trying so hard to find exact matches so that it's like, they can't really fight me on the pricing or something. So it was hours spent looking up things on Google for sale in that $68,000. That included about $2,500 of jewelry, which I actually never received. So all of my jewelry that had been in the shipment was missing from my shipment when it came to California. Um, And it's, it's unclear to this day. I mean, what happened to it? It was in the box and then it wasn't in the shipment. And so I know, you know, people had done assessments of the the shipment to see if they could remediate. And so there were certainly, I'm sure, lots of people going through the things. And I don't know, maybe it was misplaced or maybe something else happened. But that was kind of not cool at all. So we began our attempts at submitting all of our support on October 9th, 2017, via email to include a separate email like requesting, did you get our files? Because they're really big. And this is when we started to really feel the, the pains of working with MCO. So we started submitting it to them on October 9th. On October 20th, 11 days later, they emailed us back to say, no, we never received your files. They requested that we use something called Amerdeck, which is like a military secure file transfer site to send the files. But at this point, Danny was out on the ship in the middle of the Pacific off the coast of California doing his pre-deployment workup training. And so I personally, as a civilian, didn't have access to Amerdeck. So I told MCO, I don't have access to which... Oh gosh, this woman. I will quote her. She responded in email, mail or fax is another option. So the emails went back and forth for a few days. I wasn't sure. Did they want a zip drive? Did they want paper? I asked. They say, our office cannot put items in our computer due to security reasons. Do you want paper? I suggest you mail it. Every response from them was like, you know, not one word, but short, no information, no help, no compassion. Like, hey, might I remind you why I'm 
bothering you at work today. (laughs) So at no point was a fax number or a mailing address provided. So that was quite frustrating. So now come uh, October 31st, Danny returned from his training. He attempted to resend the files. He tried to like compress the file size somehow and send them in all separate emails. So then a week later, MCO emails to say, the font is too small to read when the forms are printed. So Danny was like, yeah, that is actually a printing feature. And you can just like adjust that on your computer when you print it I don't know I don't know what you want me to do he even offered if you like I can adjust it and resend it that was on uh, November 7th November 30th we hear back from them again MCA MCO notified us they just got back from leave and had finally managed to print out our files four months later March 2018 we received notification of settlement in the amount of approximately $18,000. Our claim, let me remind you, was for $68,000. And that's not to include the furniture, the things that were already imbursed. So when I went through in a fiery rage, no pun intended, I noted in the documentation that many of the detail lines they noted $0 reimbursement for them. And I'm like, what are we doing here, people? And then I find notes throughout um, because they had printed it, right? And then they were doing handwritten stuff. And I would see like a big slash and then a zero. And then it would say like maximum amount for women's clothing met. And I'm like, who knew? Who knew there was maximums? Because I would have just claimed like my three dresses from Bloomingdale's apparently that would have maxed out the women's clothing and I wouldn't have been looking up like the bralette I got from Charlotte Russe in 2003 on Google at 2 a.m. So that was infuriating. So we emailed back and forth again with MCO regarding these max amounts asking like where are these disclosed? Why weren't we told about these? And we were like, we're likely going to be issuing a dispute because this is a pretty big gap, like $50,000 gap on our claim. So MCO informed us um, that they follow regulation JAG INST 5890.1A and that they used an allowance list depreciation guide for claims adjudication to which Danny stalked them a bit about obtaining copies of because he couldn't even find it. And he's like the military guidance guy. At the end of the day, we just decided after many more emails back and forth that I won't spend any more time getting into, mostly for my own emotional trauma. (laughs) Uh, We decided it is what it is. We, we have what we need to survive. We're very blessed. So we decided not to really bother with harming our mental health any further with going through the dispute and dealing with this woman any longer. So it was definitely a punch in the gut, but that's what we decided to do in the end. Are you a business that is trying to find a new way to grow your brand? Consider sponsoring this podcast. 
sponsorship range from social media logo posts to ads during the episodes. Sponsorships are a great way to get your message out to new audience while supporting the Mimosa community. Check out the options at thebravebear.com slash sponsorship for more details. Cheers, Mimosas. Sitting over here, I'm just like, oh my gosh. And then as it just keeps going and just thinking of all your hard work and effort and then to get so little or like you were playing in a game and you didn't even know all the rules. Like I didn't know, like I learned everything you're saying and listening to your story about this. Cause I didn't know that there's a, a max amount and everything. So can you, out of all of this hardship with this fire move, do you have any tips that you can give that you would give, I guess your younger self, if you like before the fire move in case you, uh, you know, could go back and, and help your younger self out there. I would say, should you experience such an unfortunate event where you have to submit a claim for any reason, for any kind, ask up front if there are limitations so that you can just work to those um, from the front and maybe save yourself a bunch of time. What I've done now in move since is I'll photograph or I'll do a video around my house, um, but photograph like especially valuables that I intend to ship pre-packing them and everything um, so that you can have proof and support of their condition because that's another thing that gets considered in the reimbursement. Like what condition was it in? Well, who's to say it wasn't really crappy before? So if you can prove like, look, this was pristine before and now it's all beat up, um, even if it's not a fire, like your furniture, if it comes and it gets all dinged up, you might be fine with that or you might want to claim that um, on your move and you can, but you need to have proof that those things weren't there before. What we do now is save receipts for large purchases and save them electronically, right? Because we totally had those Ikea receipts from our furniture, but weird, they were in the fire. <laughs> weird. Um, so yeah, like when we got all our new furniture in California, we scanned all of those receipts into a folder for moving on Danny's laptop. So big purchases, of course, you can't save every receipt, but try to do big purchases at least. And then pay close attention to those um, documents that they fill out. So the household goods descriptive inventory and I actually didn't really touch on this one, but there's another one, high risk, high value inventory documents. So at some point throughout all of the emailing between the fire and getting our things, Danny had inquired of, um, could they give any insight? Had they seen his Mac desktop? Um, he had just like some old family photos on there. He was concerned. He was just wanting to get some idea of like, do I need to deal for this heartbreak, <laughs> prepare for this heartbreak? And they were like, well, it's not on your high risk, high value inventory documents. And we were like, what is that? So the packers are supposed to fill out and there is a threshold and it's on the document. I, I think it's a thousand dollars, but don't quote me on that, but you can look that up. They, it says like, you should list anything that's over X dollars on this high value, high risk thing. And then Danny and I are supposed, they're supposed to have us sign that before they go. They had listed our TV on it. They had listed nothing else. 
the movers hadn't signed it and we hadn't signed it. So that was at least in our favor because we were like, we didn't know this existed. No one asked us to sign this. Um, and the, the, la- the desktop was actually fine. Had it not been, we would have been in a really sticky situation of like, well, who's to say that was in there or not? It wasn't on your form. And sure, we didn't sign the form, but still that doesn't mean everything we say goes. So just be aware of what they're writing on these forms and make sure you don't just blindly sign them. You actually read them. We'll say I'm the lucky person here because I know if I go through this, I'm going to be like, Jess, we need to get on a Zoom call right now. Um, and I need you to just help me, help me through this um, and step me through. But you know, um, for all of our military mimosas listening, you know, if you're in this situation, you know, replay this episode so you can kind of, you know, hear just so you can be better prepared. Cause like she said, you know, we, you don't know what you don't know. And a lot of times you learn what you should know when you're not only either in or going through or on the back end of a bad situation, but then you're having to make up for it. And it just feels like, a hardship you're going through that you just keep getting, you know, like sand thrown in your face while you're doing it. We do have good news apart from just our tips, which I hope everyone takes the bank. And even for civilian mimosas, like if you're moving and maybe you don't move that often, these are all great things to go over with your movers and, you know, think of when you get ready to move. So what moves have you had since? So since we had the fire move, we've only had one more move, the smooth move. Um, So a few years after being in California, we got orders to St. Robert. And um, this move was the opposite in every way from the fire move. It was like the universe being like, I am literally so sorry. (laughs) So the moving company came to our apartment October 17th, 2019. They did a walkthrough to gain an understanding of what we had. So that day they literally just came to like ask questions, do an assessment, get a feel for for what they were going to have to be packing. Then they worked with us to schedule about two weeks later. They came early November, two movers came. They packed up our entire apartment, same exact thing, two bedroom, two bathroom. We actually had more furniture in this apartment than the other apartment. They packed it all up in like six hours. They walked us through all of the paperwork in detail. They explained all the forms they were asking us to sign. They even went as far as like when they were putting things in boxes that they weren't really like sure of, like random decorations or something. Like they were like, what what do you want us to call this box so that it like jogs your memory on this packing list? Um, So that was helpful, right? Because on the other list, it would just say things like tote bags. And I'm like, what tote bags? Like (laughs) I have a thousand tote bags. So they packed us up on the 7th of November. They came back on the 8th and loaded their, loaded all the boxes onto their truck. Um, So it was just like seamless. Whereas in Virginia, they, they were there for 12 hours. They were loading boxes like 
late at night. Again, I was working from home that day to be there for the movers, had work the next day. I had to get them all pizza, (laughs) which I didn't mind, but this was just super seamless. And then we received our shipment in Missouri before Thanksgiving. So they, they took it on November 8th. We were in our apartment for maybe a week or less without anything besides the air mattress. We took a nice extended road trip down over here to Missouri um, and our stuff arrived before Thanksgiving. It arrived safe and sound and it was very refreshing in comparison to our previous move. Jess, I'm so excited to hear about your smooth move, especially after your fire move, because you know, I think everyone, all the mimosas listening are like, give the girl a break, like just give her this one. Um, so I'm glad you had a smooth move sent and I hope you have an equally smooth move when you guys go back to California. That's so exciting. Well, uh, we are all out of time for today, but we would like to challenge mimosas Please go ahead. If you have moved or you're a season mover, send us your tips and tricks for moving. And if you know a friend or a fellow mimosa who is moving, check in on them. We would love to, you know, not only be there for our friends, but also hear all the tips and tricks out there so we can better prepare uh, everyone we know because moving is stressful and sometimes not fun. Going back to that quote of the day, um, we actually have two. The first, prepare for the worst, but hope for the best. And our second quote of, if we were meant to stay in one place, we would have roots instead of feet. Until the next episode, please leave us some feedback on whatever platform you may be listening to this podcast on, as well as follow us on Instagram at goodmorningmimosas. Of course, send us an email at goodmorningmimosas.podcast at gmail.com. You literally never know who needs this mimosa community. So please consider sharing this with friends and family or anyone else who could use a spark of joy. Stay safe, stay healthy, and please keep sharing those sparks of joy. Cheers, mimosas.